Hi everybody and welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. This week we've got a wonderful guest that has the same last name as me. He's my brother, Justin Araja. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, we just made some uh, music in a bunch of various styles and we just listened to a little bit of Justin's music too. So the first thing I wanted to kind of ask you is how did you get into music? I know you didn't start playing an instrument in the traditional band yeah, world. So How did that happen? I, uh, well, I mean, I always liked music. I just didn't, like it was, uh, sorry, we're adjusting the mic. Uh, <laughs> I always liked music, but it seemed like magic to me. Like, I, th I think I, I didn't have that, like, I don't know, I was never in school band. I, I took a few guitar lessons when I was, like, 16, I got a guitar, and my teacher just wasn't very good. That and happens a lot, like, I, I was, feel like. I was a little punk, and, like, I wanted to, like, learn power chords, and, like, my my guitar teacher was just like, okay, here's an A7, and here's a D7, and here's a blues scale in A, and, like, we're going to do work <laughs> on this for a month. And so, like, what we would do in a lesson is we would go in, and he would play the chords, and I would, like, play a little scale over it, play mm -hmm. my quote-unquote blues solos right. over it. <laughs> And then he'd be like, okay, that would be two minutes. And I'd be like, okay, switch. And for 15 minutes, I would play the chords and he would like wail. Over <laughs> and I was like, a guitar is not for me. Yeah. Well, the lesson you needed was you don't need a teacher to teach you power well, chords. That, well, yeah, I mean, it's funny. And I, I, I think I learned in college, uh, I kind of, my taste kind of branched out. I think I got into folk music through like just being into political music coming out of punk rock culture in general and then getting into Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger. Phil well, Oaks. See, Phil Oaks for sure. Stuff. I mean, Phil Oaks is like a total, like he has folk punk songs. Like, no question about it. Uh, from the 60s. But yeah, getting into that and then I still had a guitar. So at some point I realized that if I learn D, G, and A, which I did, I can play every Woody Guthrie song. <laughs> and so, like, that's all it was. Like, I just needed that point of connection to, I'm not just practicing, I'm not just doing exercises. Like, I see immediate results of, like, I can play a song that I like. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I'd see a chord, the, you know, a song that has a C in it. I'd be like, oh, well, I can learn that one. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of built it from there. That's interesting, because you've got a very, you know, I feel like a, a personal sound and harmonic language that you work with. That I don't know how much of it is, you know, designed or it just kind of comes out of you that way, I think. Yeah, I think it's what I mean, I think it's what I, I like and it's what I'm drawn to. I'm not I'm not drawn to like something that's a definite key or necessarily even a definite chord. Um, I like modal kind of stuff mm -hmm. and those in between spaces of like, is it major? Is it minor? Is, is it, it like yeah. is it even a triad? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it floats. Yeah, yeah, and that's a fun thing to you know play along with because there's lots of options and freedom. Yeah. So, so the one uh, song that we did, which we didn't call, we didn't name it anything, but that's kind of the world, your harmonic world that we developed, um, and yeah, it's fun to play along with. Oh yeah, that's uh, when I first started um, writing tunes on guitar. Where I started was just shapes. So same thing of like there wasn't any. Like, I knew some chord shapes, mm -hmm. but I wasn't thinking, like, I'm going to start with a D. Instead, it was like, I really like the weird sound that happens when I put these two fingers here. And then it's like, what happens if I go up? What happens if I go down? Uh -huh. And you're just, and just following your things. ear. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I like playing in different tunings, too, that, like, mm -hmm. you just, don't even always know what you have you're to playing. recenter yeah. yourself. And you may, yeah, play the same shapes that you're used to and get a completely different mm -hmm. sound or a completely awful sound. And you have to readjust. And 
maybe you figure out some new shapes and bring those back to your old standard, standard tuning, tuning. Yeah. you know? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Cool. Well, um, before we go off the topic of sort of your beginning, musical beginnings, yeah. talk a little, I want to hear a little bit about like how you got even involved with the scene before you started playing and like, do you remember the first show that you ever went to? Uh-huh. Eighth grade, Weston, and a school, what school? Some, some high school auditorium. Okay. I was at that show. And so your first show... Was the same. Was my first show. Yep. Mom was there too, but <laughs> yep. I don't think Mom it was, was her there. first show. She's <laughs> probably seen. Yeah, I think I was in like fourth something. grade. Yeah, I must have been in fourth you grade. You are cool. You're four years cooler than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had your example to and like I, yeah. you, you to drag me to a show. I wouldn't have been at a Weston show. Yeah. With just mom. <laughs> <laughs> my, I'm sure we would have had a good time. My uh, first show alone was that summer after that year, the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade at. Uh, it was called Bismos. I remember that place, but I never wait got to go in. No, it was called the Gate. Oh, really? It turned into Toast. Oh, okay. Bismos was different. Bismos it was called was... the Gate, and it was the unmarked cars, oh. five driver, the overdrives, and bigwig. Nice. That's, that's that, was that all like and punk or awesome. what style? There was one ska folk? band and three punk bands. The unmarked cars were ska, right? Uh huh. And yeah. then like yeah, because I remember being like uh, in it was the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade, and watching the bands and my friend leaning over and being like, we're going to go to the same high school as them. Uh, like, that's so cool. <laughs> and what was the first band that you started? I think I remember what they were called, if you don't. Was it the Ditch Was it the Ditch Poopers? It was the Ditch I never heard the band, but it I remember the name. We never went in it. We never had one song. We got together and, like, <laughs> messed around in a basement. Gotcha. But, but I was in graphic arts class at the time so i screen printed stickers <laughs> and awesome. that's probably why i remember the name yep cool first up today we've got a track off of one of justin's solo albums ghostless limbs this one's called i collect fire and it's a personal favorite of mine
I know you have uh, some theory knowledge. Yeah. How did you acquire that theory knowledge, and how did it affect the songs that you were playing and writing? Did you feel like it, it helped you, and in what ways? Yeah, I think I just picked it up in bits and pieces. Like, somewhere along the line, I learned how to read music, and I think... Yeah, but that... how? <laughs> I mean, honestly, at first it was just like, like... Did you get a book? It was just like decoder style where I would like look at a, like a, I got like, I had like a folk song book or something okay. and I would, I would look at the piece of music and be like cross reference a chart and it yeah. says, okay, that's a G. This is like what the key signature means. And I, I, like, that's like kind of how I learned everything in music is just by like getting into it. And when I hit a wall of something that I don't know how to do, I learn it. Interesting. Um, and so I definitely learned my theory backwards and incompletely. And I think it does help me uh, when I have an idea in my head to like get it out on the neck of the guitar to know. I mean, to be fair, theory bit. theory is entirely invented backwards. It's like yeah, people, totally. people saying, yeah. why is this music interesting to me? Let's pick it apart and right. figure out. So it's more or less the same process. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a very organic way to learn, honestly. Yeah. And I think it's like, also on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> through playing with musicians who are, who are better or more experienced than me and, like, the language that they use, like, sure. trying to keep up in what I know so I don't look like a fool. That's always a good way to when, learn, too. <laughs> because I think, you know, I, I think my hands are faster than my brain on the guitar sometimes uh yeah so I mean, like I, I was a good enough guitar player that people wanted to play with me but if they said you know can what's the can you play like a one four and a minor six i'd be like what you are those frets or <laughs> my court my guitar doesn't have a minor so, six fret <laughs> yeah and then i, I think i just kind of learned through embarrassment okay and how what's your songwriting process like now do you th you don't really usually think of you know chord structure you you kind of improvise a lot and figure out something you like yeah i usually just it starts with me sitting down and fiddling on guitar i think my songs are i'll fiddle till i find something uh but my songs are pretty heavily composed mm -hmm. uh in that i really obsess about finding the right notes and putting stuff down but it is pretty much a like sitting with my guitar figuring it out process i don't generally i don't think i have the like ear and conception in my head to like just write music on paper 
Uh, I think very few people yeah, do. Even, few people do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm still unless, learning. I, unless you have perfect pitch and yeah. you can really That's, hear yeah. everything exactly yeah. the way you want it and you can put it on the page. Very yeah. few real composers, oh, yeah. quote unquote, real composers compose that way either. Yeah. Um, I find more or less like there'll be like an impression if I'm writing something. Like there'll be a melody line or like a little melodic idea. Yeah. And then like the harmony is usually for me where I have to sit down with an instrument. So like I know one note that I want in that chord and the rest just feels like an itch in the back of my brain where it's like I need to find the right notes hmm. so that that I itch have, feels I satisfied. absolutely do like, that where I, yep, but I don't want it to be a straight major or minor. <laughs> <laughs> you have to find that weird chord like, that's somewhere okay, in your this brain. This is in there, but... Yeah, what's around, what's around, is its nest? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, so I think I mean I write things down so I don't forget them. I've like learned to do that because there's countless songs that I that never got recorded and are just gone. Yeah, but I'm sure everyone has that experience. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and how about? The lyrical process, does that come later? Do you get inspired and you write a big sheet of lyrics or do you write a song and you think, okay, I need to sing something over this? Yeah, it's the second one. <laughs> I, I always start with the music first um, because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not... I'm much more confident guitar player than I am a singer and uh, usually it's about... And I, I think as a player, I want to show off... When I want to show off my skill, I want to make sure the guitar part is there. Uh, and then, and not compromise that for a vocal part necessarily, because it's not generally the biggest focus of, of projects that I'm in. Uh, but I do write very dense lyrics usually, and kind of inscrutable. Maybe it's a similar thing with my chord structures and like arpeggios that I want it to be like a little bit uh, dense and like ineffable. <laughs> That mm, I think yeah. there's a lot of open to interpretation and yeah. Uh, when I write lyrics, like I definitely have an idea in my head. I I do a lot to do with literature, mythology, like science, um, just whatever, uh, and then sort of Jimmy human emotions into it, mm. uh, <laughs> and and kind of kind of paint. Interesting. That way, I don't ever just like say, "I feel this right. because this." <laughs> yeah, because um, that's terrible. That's how I write. <laughs> all my songs start with I. <laughs> I never thought about that. They don't all start with I, but I think a lot of mine start of with do. I. Yeah, I mean, mine do too. Okay, good. <laughs> Next, we have a very different example of Justin's work as a vocalist. This one comes from his old hardcore punk band, Hammers to Fences. The song is called Suits and Lies and comes from their 2003 album, Fight This Greed Disease, which is also still relevant politically and uh, still holds up musically as well. I think it's time for uh, Hammers, another Hammers to Fences reunion show. Justin, what do you think? Can you make that happen? <laughs> Come on. 
So another thing I wanted to talk a little bit about you was like the tone of your voice. Before this podcast, to get Dave up to speed, we listened to one of your folk songs and a Hammers to Fences song. Uh So you've got a a wide range there. And it always strikes me when I hear your singing voice. It's so different from your speaking voice. Yeah. so, (laughs) So that's another thing that I did wrong when I like was learning. But now it's like where I'm comfortable that I definitely sing higher than I should. I think and like breathier. Very, yeah, that, that, that was. Could, yeah. Uh, that's that I, I wouldn't even say it's that. wrong though. It's just yeah, you're tapping but into that. Like, yeah, it's just just very like, like ethereal and gentle and and kind of. Breathy. In high school, like gone to a chorus teacher, they'd be like, "Oh, you have a deep voice. Like you sit here and you sing these notes." But like I never learned that, and I, I think a lot of the stuff that I would like sing along to in my car, songs that I would try to learn when I was first playing guitar, people had kind of higher voices than me, or mm-hmm. it was the like mid-2000s and that, like, Devendra Banhart, like, Joanna Newsom, like, super unique voices mm-hmm. were really big. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, that kind of developed out of that. Interesting. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever, I mean, have you, do you ever, like, play around with that and think, like, I should try to mix my Hammers to Fences style and my folky style I do. that might be an that's, interesting thing I mean, to that's like, explore yeah i mean that's like the the i'm thinking about doing some sort of solo recording project that is basically that that because there there really are i listen to a lot of things but at two extremes i listen to like very delicate intricate complicated guitar music and i listen to doomy like drony drenched in feedback like brutal metal and so i think always in my brain i have this idea of like how do i mix that and it hasn't happened yet but yeah and it's a hard thing to have to rely so much on your voice for that but i think like that's the way i mean a big way to do it is just with you know finding a way to transition between those two sounds maybe yeah exactly do you guys ever listen to four year strong so Mm -mm. they're like heard the name but they do like um it's it's kind of like um, pop punk with hardcore breakdowns uh-huh. and like uh, but a lot of their stuff has screaming for the vocals. Mm-hmm. But the things I love is on some of their um, side tracks. They'll take tunes of theirs that are originally just like driving, and instead they do it entirely folky with acoustic guitars, mm-hmm. banjo, bottles. Uh, but then they keep the screaming the same way, and mm-hmm. it sounds amazing sometimes. Going keeping the folk element, but then mixing in all the screaming vocals can really. Mm-hmm. They've done it effectively. That's cool. Yeah, there's a couple bands that have that have done some really interesting. I guess you'd call it fusion. I like don't like the term fusion. No, I think fusion implies a specific thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, you mean like, like jazz, jazz fusion. rock yeah, fusion? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, uh, yeah mixing. Mixing, mixing of genres and like yeah, I just have to find the, you know the right way to fit in. And the, the I mean the hard thing is that like there's such a dichotomy between the clean tone you need to play to hear those intricate guitar parts and like what you need, what makes a song feel big. Right. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I'll, I'll get there. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's what I'm working on like <laughs> yeah. in my free time. So actually, if I can toss out a plug, of um, course. in the Philly area, there's a guy, Bill McGurr. He does, um, he goes under the name Windwood, but, um, he Wind- does wood? Windwood. Yeah. Like kind of like Windwood, but mm-hmm. yeah, with the D, mm-hmm. um, and his stuff falls right in this category. It's kind of coming out of the, acoustic emo style mm-hmm. realm but like really beautiful finger picking and hammers and everything all over with the guitar parts but then like that kind of more out of the emo realm where it's like a 
folksy singing voice that then bleeds into harsher sounds and into a little bit more yelling and it really he walks a really beautiful line with it yeah um might be something you'd enjoy yeah cool interesting uh do you have any favorite bands at the moment or things that you would like to recommend uh so i think uh the body is definitely like a big influence as far as like heavy aggressive like a oppressively uh evil sounding music that like blends with like they use a lot of they'll do drum machine parts or synthy parts and they they'll usually have guest vocalists and often they're like these really beautiful like operatic female vocalists or you know four part choirs over this like savage music <laughs> is it fast or like it's very slow very slow okay it's like uh you know sludgy sludgy kind of songs and i really like that and i think um home that came out maybe like a year and a half two years ago by a band called sons of nolan adrian uh their latest one is like one of the closest things i've heard to what i want to do they don't get screamy at all on it but the they they have really interesting rhythms really interesting guitar playing and they get really big sometimes cool cool Um, yeah i'll have to check those out Next, we have an original track by Justin recorded live in our studio with Justin on guitar, Dave on bass, and me on bells. The set of bells I was playing is kind of interesting. Uh, It's like an elementary Suzuki set, and um, they're contained in a big wooden box, and they, uh, but each of the bells are separate. So I took out a bunch of uh, a set of pitches that I thought would work well, and it also comes with a three-pronged mallet. So I kind of arranged one set. I was playing as chords with that mallet and then also obviously playing some single notes as well. But I really like the sound of these bells and and the fact that you can, um, you know, take out those sets of pitches and rearrange them, which you can't do with most bell sets.
Are there any instruments that you've either tried to learn and have given up on and would like to revisit or instruments that you was that are like on your list that you still want to kind of uh, handle on i would like well i'm learning drums that's like the thing that has been on my list that now i'm getting to mm -hmm. um i think piano would be nice um what to, to be a, a little better <laughs> to be but confident again, at the piano. again yeah like i've i i mean I haven't in a while, but I have like played some accordion and I have an accordion and like you only have to play the melody with your right hand and you just have chord buttons right. and it's a lot and you have no pedals. <laughs> um, so that's good. I've also tried, I've, I've never played anything that you've had to like really blow into <laughs> and then harmonica, a brass or woodwind or anything. Um, I think I tried playing the recorder and the tin whistle and I just got frustrated with the fingerings and... Yeah, those aren't know. the two to start with. I, I mean, they're they're easy, but like, they don't sound that good. Right. And right. So it's kind of the same thing. Like you're practicing to practice, not even necessarily if, getting really results that sound good. Right if I away. could play this, why would I want to? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just also the ones that are cheap, cheap and yeah. easy, and the the fingering system is very simple. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. I would really love to be able to be, and I think this comes from having a better ear too. Um, playing like fretless oh that would be cool, cool. um yeah. gives you whether violin or cello or bass or whatever but just gives or even fretless guitar or banjo like gives you such a you have to listen wealth to of expression mm -hmm. that you cannot get with a fretted instrument I agree but if there's something you could magically wake up tomorrow and have mastered what would it be uh pedal steel Oh. That's the craziest instrument. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool one. <laughs> All those switches and pedals and strings. Have and... you played? Did you used to play pedal steel? I had a lap steel. A lap steel. Okay. It's basically just like a guitar, a regular guitar with regular strings. That mm -hmm. I think it's usually tuned to like Dadgad or Open G. Okay. Um, and you just play it on your lap with a slide. It has higher, uh, higher bridge. Right. Interesting. Just makes me think of Robert Randolph. Was, I don't know, uh, do, uh, no, Robert Randolph. Robert Randolph and the Family Band. It's really, really great group. But he's a uh, pedal steel. Yeah, uh, just killer. He came out of like more of like a gospel realm, but uh -huh. um, but he, they've had some big hits because they they mix in. It's almost like if Outcast collaborated with like pedal steel gospel stuff. It's really fun. Interesting. Yeah. Why do you write music? Uh uh, I, man, I guess I just like it. <laughs> so it's, I think the habit started when I had a lot more free time and was just bored all the time mm. and would sit around and play guitar and write music. And I think, yeah, now it's gotten to the, to the kind of place where it needs to be a priority. I didn't for a while. Uh, when I, I lived in Philly, I didn't really like the Philly music scene. As I mean, as a spectator, it's fine, and I'm not talking shit on any Philly musicians because oh, like they're nice, <laughs> but it's like the competitive and like a just like a pure capitalist sense where there's like so much resource to go around, and the resource is audience and venues, and there's so many bands hmm. that it's yep. just like everybody's, I don't know so much work and be so like professional and purposeful about it. And before I moved there, I came out of a scene where it was just like house shows and basements and all ages venues and people would just come to you and ask you to play and it was so easy and I got spoiled <laughs> and then I kind of because I got out of playing I got out of writing and you know I've been slowly getting back into it um I think I write songs because I found that when I don't 
that there's something missing. You know, I really miss it. Yeah, you crave it. Yeah. That's a good answer. Next, we've got a track demonstrating Justin's newly developed drumming skills. Justin laid down the drums while Dave and I improvised on guitar and bass. Full disclosure, we didn't quite pull it off all together, so we ended up scrapping those guitar and bass takes and tracking over the drum part that Justin improvised. In the side of our sinking ship If it's a problem of truth Well, what is truth anyway? Anything they can say to absolve them Of all of the guilt and the greed And the lies and the hate Synaptic impulse is firing without a sound Untenable average Grows more mercurial by the day These teeth grown feral and savage Will tear at the seams of the world that you wish to create Blasted out of I put forward a this is purely like silly fun question um not that you don't have this to is all ask. very serious you don't have to ask okay. by the yeah, way no, no. either you're yeah. always allowed I know, to ask I know. questions I, just, I, just, <laughs> host of this I know my name is first, but <laughs> so um i was just thinking like it'd be fun to put forward like uh, optional two two different questions uh-huh. either one this is like dream team like if you could collaborate with one musician now no matter how famous they are or two if you could tap a famous musician and have them cover one of your songs either scenario which would you love either or both uh the answer i think the answer to both is alistair roberts i don't know uh, Can you tell he's me? a scottish folk singer he's probably my favorite songwriter of I, was, all time. I thought you were gonna say ska nope. Nope. <laughs> scottish <laughs> don't, that um, makes more sense. yeah he is probably my favorite songwriter of all time and he i think we have very different playing styles have sort of similar lyrical styles like uh, his lyrics are so good and like it's uh 
not just like the content, but the sounds of the words. Like I think, and that's something that I think about a lot too, but uh, he has a really cool guitar style that's different from mine, but similar in other ways. And yeah, I've just been a fan for like just a super long time. What's his name? Alistair? Alistair Roberts. Roberts. Is there an album you'd put out as like, what would be your your go-to to check them out with? Dang, to start. Uh, I think... A Wonderworking Stone. Cool. Is the it's a double album where right. he plays with like a fuller band and has a lot of guests on it. It's very cool. Great. Yep. Well, I'm getting a lot of new suggestions, which is good because now that we don't live together, <laughs> I, don't get your, I don't get your influence as strongly. You your influence was uh, you know hugely important to my musical taste and my yeah. musical journey as well. So I have to thank you for that. You're welcome. And what happened to my influence of when I stopped listening to ska? It just stopped. It just <laughs> I just kind of got stuck on that one. That's I think. Fair. Um, and yeah, I mean, you moved out. That's what happened. It's true. <laughs> I went to college, and your musical progression just ended. Um, yeah, I mean, I I never got as into folk or like the harder hardcore or metal than you. At, but you know, just the fact that you were constantly consuming new music and constantly bringing new music home. And I think about the amount of money I must have spent on CDs. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Well, you didn't spend your money on anything else. I didn't spend my money on anything else, I guess. Like, I didn't feel like I ever had that much money, but. You I had spent, that much CDs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All your wealth was tied up in it CDs. It was tied up in CDs, <laughs> and my investment did not pan out. <laughs> but uh, I got a lot of bootleg tapes out of it. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I remember you used to charge you a dollar to copy me. I think it might have been a dollar side. Might have been a dollar Yeah, because I could fit a whole album on a yeah. side. So. Yeah, so that's. I had a tape of Catch-22's Keys Be Nights, and on the other side was something else really good, and I don't remember what it was. Losing Streak, maybe, by Less Than Jake. Yes. Yeah. No, it was Operation Ivy. Operation Ivy was on the other side. (laughs) That that tape got well-worn. That's a formative tape. Yeah. Nice. That's funny. Now that we've admitted we've pirated all this music, the feds are going to come after you. Yeah. They do listen to our podcast every week, or every month, just to make sure. The end of high school, once I got my first like my own laptop there was a period that whole summer before college where i'd go to the library about two to three times a week i'd get five or six cds yeah, take them home them go through it it's it, usually i'd just go by like cover like not based on a band i like just like these are interesting covers anything that sounded good ripped it into the library yeah <laughs> brought it back that was that's the, awesome yeah and you can still do that. You can still yeah. do that, yeah. Yeah, at the library. I don't still think have about CDs. That. I've done that at a, yeah, every college, because the colleges also yeah, have huge, you can go through yeah. anything that you feel is like a, a window that you haven't explored, you're just like, all right, this artist, let's see three of their albums and dig into it. I never did much of that physical pirating, but Napster and LimeWire and yeah. the other progressions yeah. helped out a lot <laughs> once we got to that time. For sure. For our last track of the day, we have an improvisation from all three of us with Justin on guitar, Dave on djembe and drums, and myself on flute. And I actually just re-listened to this for the first time in a few weeks, and I must admit, I was on the edge of my seat. This one has a frantic quality that I think makes it really exciting to listen to. The fast guitar and djembe, in conjunction with the circular-breathed flute line in the beginning, I think especially, creates an interesting, anxious texture full of what I think can only be described as static tension.
Thank you so much for listening to Sean and Dave Make Music. If you like the show, please do us a favor and subscribe and check out our past episodes. If you love the show, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your nerdy music friends about us and interact with us on Facebook. We'll be back next month with a couple new guests as well as our first returning musician and a whole bunch of new music. And before we go, just a quick note about our intro and outro this month. As you diehard Sean and Dave Make Music fans know, we always record a new rendition of our theme with each new guest. And the one you heard at the beginning of this episode is actually a time and pitch manipulated remix that Dave did of the unedited version, which you're about to hear next. This extended iteration of our theme is the longest version yet at almost two minutes, so it wasn't quite punchy enough to work perfectly up top, but we thought you'd enjoy hearing it in its full shape and scope as well. So here it is. You can let it transition you to either your next podcast or the cold, harsh reality of the outside world. <laughs>